Welcome back to the Jenny McCarthy Show. I'm Jenny McCarthy Wahlberg, one of my favorites, guests, and greatest gurus. And I don't know if he wants me to call him that because I don't know what to call people now, but he is mine. Uh, Mass and Kip, welcome back to my show, buddy. Hey, Jenny. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Happy New Year. I haven't talked to you all year, so Happy New I Year. How are know. you? Oh, thank you so much. Uh, let me plug your book here, Claim Your Power, A 40-Day Journey to Dissolve the Hidden Blocks that Keep You Stuck and Finally Thrive in Your Life's Unique Purpose. It's out now. You guys also have his website, mastinkip.com. Me and my girlfriend, um, like, binge watch hours of your YouTube pieces, of your <laughs> old, like, YouTube pieces that you used to do. We're just total Mastin Kip followers. I don't know if you've got a, any nicknames for your followers, but we're one of them. <laughs> that's awesome hell yeah i love it so what what is let's start with this i know uh we've got valentine's day coming up so i want to talk relationships what 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 does a relationship differ i can't even say it differentiation mean exactly yes okay so it's my one of my favorite things to talk about because it's the pathway to ultimate love and happiness um so when you think about people who get divorced, typically what they cite is irreconcilable differences. <laughs> yes. And when you look at people who are together long-term and happy, they have the opposite, which is reconcilable differences. And typically couples get together because there's something that's attractive about the other person that usually is a quality that the person or the individual doesn't have themselves. So someone who's shy might be very attractive to someone who's gregarious and outgoing and confident. And what has to happen for those two people to stay together long-term is that each couple, each part of the couple has to start to bring on, adopt, and grow into parts of their partner that they were attracted to. So the quiet one gets to speak up and be a little bit more confident. Maybe the one who's speaking out a lot needs to listen more. And so what's really interesting when you get into the inner workings of all this is one of the reasons why the person who could be the love of your life in one moment and then the next moment can be devil spawn, right? <laughs> is because however they're behaving is up against a lot of the needs that you didn't get met as a child. And so I really view relationships more than just, you know, a way to procreate, which is biological, biologically what they do. I view relationships as a way to really heal the emotional trauma from our childhood. And typically our partner has our missing piece. And it can be so threatening when you hit a phase of a relationship where the oxytocin, the dopamine, all those sort of feel-good chemicals have worn off, where all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, we want different things. And usually that's a reason why people use that reason to break up. But it's actually a really amazing opportunity to grow because people tend to think that there's sort of this honeymoon phase and then all of a sudden there's problems and then that's what you call marriage from now on, right? That's kind of the mindset. Yes. But instead of realizing that there's going to be tension as you discover what makes each other different and navigating that tension, it's really rare air, but it's differentiation. It's not individuation. Individuation is when you break up and kind of go your separate ways. Differentiation is how can we be different together and navigate the tension that comes along with that. And it's, um, it's a really fun topic to talk about. And it's like where all the, the gold is for both healing and long-term success and happiness. It is. And you almost have to be, not almost, you have to be awake and aware going into oh, yeah. that. I remember when I, when I married Donnie and I looked at him and I thought to myself, I cannot wait to see what he, you know, will like teach me and so, so to speak, or what I'm going to learn through him. Um, and those come from those nuggets of what people might call fights, you know? 
<laughs> totally. Well, it's all about how you go into it too. So a lot of the couples that we work with, especially if you have like, like there's different tension if you're both in a nine to five job and you're away from each other all the time. But when you're in a different type of a situation, maybe where there's like an entrepreneur in the relationship where there's different stress, or if you're living like a different life where you're together a lot, the tension is different. And what's really interesting is, is that people think that the mark of a good relationship is to never get into a fight. Or like, I never want to get triggered versus realizing the way the human nervous system works. We get triggered before we even know it because of a tone of voice or a facial expression that signals danger. And everyone has, if you're in a partnership or work, you know what I'm talking about with like that specific tone or that specific face. You're like, why yeah. are you making that face? <laughs> that happens before our partner even decides. And the process of uh, navigating all this isn't about not having a fight. It's just like when you build muscle, you have to kind of rip it apart. That's called micro trauma in the gym. Yes. The real process of love is built in the repair process and knowing how to repair. And that is uh, a really hard but necessary skill set for long-term success and happiness in a relationship. So I love to focus primarily on the repair part versus um, not getting into a disagreement because there will be disagreements, especially as you start to figure out what's different about you and you speak up more, especially if you're the partner who hasn't done that. If you're the partner who stayed quiet most of the time and you start to express your preferences, it's going to feel really uncomfortable at first. And there might be some disagreements, but if you have the tools to know how to repair, right. it makes it a lot better. A hundred percent. If the person that usually stays quiet as they start to, to you know, use their voice, it feels like a, you're on a Mars for the first time. Totally. And then you Absolutely. get used to it. Um, so opposites do attract as long as you both find the balance of each other, so to speak. I can give you an example in my own relationship, right? So like I'm very much like the only child. I grew up as an only child. Like sharing was never you know, something that was up for me. And the holidays became a time, especially as I moved to Los Angeles, where it was more about isolation and kind of going inside. And I never really had family to return to. Um, I had my parents, but there was sort of, you know, emotional distance there, especially in my 20s when I was like deep in my addiction. So holidays became a time for me to go inside and to create. And then I get into a relationship with my partner, Jenna, and she comes from a family. And for her, you know, she has like, you know, a couple of sisters and a brother, lots of cats and dogs and so at christmas time it's like 13 or 14 people in their house and the first like two years of going to her house for christmas i was like i was experiencing like panic attacks because for me i'm not used to being around that many people and they're great human beings but there's a tremendous value in me learning how to be around other during that time and at the same time when you're always used to being around other people you know, I tend to have isolation moments where I go and be creative. We can learn from each other. But if I'm, you know, going to just pull a hard line and say, you know what? No, I'm not going home for Christmas. I'm going to be isolated, as an example. That's not going to work long term because there's a part of me uh, as sort of the only child defiant one who could really benefit from being a part of a healthier family dynamic. And so, and there's a part of her that can benefit from individuating more beyond that. And this is where the fights, you never come home for Christmas. You always hate my family yep. and all that type of stuff starts to get in there. And that's when you start to have to have the repair and listening processes. And so when I was talking about what we could talk about on the show today, I think this is a really hot topic because it's not about not having fights or disagreements because those are going to happen, especially as all the biochemistry wears off. But it's about how to navigate your way back with a repair. And probably one of my favorite ways to do that is when I notice that when I'm, I'm sort of in that space, 
I pay so close attention to when I get my brain back because it gets hijacked when I get triggered. <laughs> I, I, well, first of all, if I realize I'm triggered, I, I go to Jenna and I say, listen, nobody's driving the plane right now. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> and I like to go regulate myself and like get into a calmer state. That's right? so good though. And you then, give her that message though. You don't just walk off and oh, stonewall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, because what happens is, so it's all about signals of safety or threat. So if I'm with a partner and I'm just sending signals of danger the whole time, they're going to interpret that as a threat, as isolation is pushing away, and it's going to recreate a lot of their old relationship patterns. But if you can learn how to send signals of safety to your partner, even when you're kind of hijacked, because when you get triggered, your brain gets hijacked, it's so much better. And then I kind of have a cheeky way of initiating the repair process. I can't wait for you to tell me. (laughs) So so you you know like when you get into a fight and you're like, dang it, like, Oh, I know I did. I need to repair here, but your ego's like not yet. You know, yep. like you're kind of waiting for them to say sorry first or something. So my immediate pattern interrupt, is, and she knows this, so it's like playful. I'll come back to her, and once I realize what's happened, and I'll say, "Okay, um, I accept your apology," <laughs> as like <laughs> a way of apologizing. Does that make any sense? Right. That totally does. Can I tell you, that is a, a genius way of doing it, as long as she also knows that it's She funny. knows. She knows. Yeah, it's and, fun. No, no, it's not literally true. Donnie and I, we've learned to come back in those moments and say, okay, my ego, this is what it is saying to me. And we use, we use a voice, and Donnie has his own character voice for his. Brilliant. And when we tell each other what our egos are telling us, it makes us cry laughing. Because the, the ego is totally. such a childish brat. And when, when we put the words to it, we're like, oh, my fucking God. That is, I go, that's what your ego is saying to you? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, this is what mine's saying. He's like, oh, my God. And it's so joyful to come back and do that, do it that way. Because we learn, too, what yes. each other are thinking. Well, and what I love about what you said, which is actually a brilliant strategy, is to create safety for your partner. Usually it's body language, tone of voice, and facial expressions. So if you can have a different tone for these types of situations, and not like a worse one, right, like a playful one, it starts to initiate the healing process. Like I I joke about it, but it's totally true with some of our clients. Like one way to end an argument is in the middle of it, just start talking like Mickey Mouse because you'll completely break the pattern of the argument and start to realize like what are we doing here? But the one thing I will say about these arguments, the deeper I get into sort of like looking at how human beings have developed, there's an emerging theory uh, called attachment theory, which really looks at like how we attach to primary caregivers as a child before the age of two and three, and how that plays into our long-term development as human beings, because those early years really inform a lot about how safe we feel, what has to happen for us to feel safe, is that when we have those triggers in relationships, it's actually usually that old stuff getting activated and when you can have a playful exchange like what you're talking about, that's how you start to heal a lot of that developmental stuff earlier that you had early in childhood or in previous relationships. And that's why the repair process is so critical and that differentiation process is so critical because you're literally healing old stuff that your nervous system has evidence of as being true. And you can and start you to prove it. it wrong and feel safe. Yeah. And you actually feel it inside of you healing like like antiseptic spray. That's probably not a good analogy, but you know what I mean. It, you definitely <laughs> totally feel true. it within your body. Yeah. 
what That's about right, my, my girlfriend's texting me right now my best friend and she's like ask him this ask him this she she's in a relationship and i know a lot of people can relate to this that um you know have, have has a lot of resentments and i i mean i don't know where she wants me to go with it other than she wants to stay in this relationship but is it is there anything as too much resentment where it can't be repaired okay that's a great question so well, it de- it depends, okay? It depends on two things. One, her willingness to see it differently and his, I'm assuming, his willingness to see it differently too because when you get to a place of stacked resentment, basically, if you look at it through the lens of development, what that means is in that relationship, both partners don't have the skill set or the development to know how to resolve those resentments peacefully. That's, they don't have that usually that history in a romantic relationship. So what has to happen, it's amazing what happens when someone's experience is validated. So the goal and the opportunity here, which is really hard, I want to acknowledge that, and usually it happens with a third party who can help you guide this, like a relationship therapist for a period of time, which is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. Um, and I'm a big believer that people should do the therapy before they get married. Me too. Me too. <laughs> because it's like, just go there. But but there's this, there's this process called active listening. And active listening is, like, if you think that, like, bench pressing 500 pounds or winning gold medals at the Olympics is hard, active listening is harder. Um, and so active listening is when you are able to preset a time with a partner, not before bed. So not the, like, we're about to go to bed and, honey, can we talk? No, not that. Okay. Like, you schedule a time where you're both going to be calm, you're both well-fed, maybe you both came from a massage or something because you want to be in a good emotional state. And the goal of an active listening session is to be able to take in and listen to your partner's experience while recognizing it's their experience, it has nothing to do with you, and you can align with it without agreeing with it. So you can align with the idea that this is their experience and understand from their perspective this is what happened you know, with all these resentments, without having to agree that this is how your perception is. But if you can actually have a conversation with a partner where one partner is the listener and one partner is the sharer, so you can't switch during a conversation, where one person initiates an inquiry, a line of questioning about, well, let's talk about, and by the way, you want to pick one topic at a time. Because <laughs> sometimes yeah. these conversations... Because it can go, one, what about, what about when you one, did this, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, no, one at a time. <laughs> but you pick the thing that you're most resentful about and if the other partner can actually ask a line of questioning where they can hold space and go, well, tell me what you're resentment, uh, resentful about. How are you feeling about that? What did that mean for you? you know, uh, and go kind of into the, that line of questioning. And the other partner who's asking the questions, instead of saying, well, no, that's not true, and start to fight back, calm yourself. And all you got to do is this magical thing called mirroring where all you do is you take their wording and you say, so what I'm here, if, they say, if, they're, if they're visual, what I'm seeing you say is, if they're auditory, what I'm hearing you say is, if they're kinesthetic, what, I'm, what, what, really, what you're feeling is this. So you want to make sure you're using their words. And you mirror back their experience. So what I'm hearing you say is, is that you feel resentment because at the restaurant yesterday, I didn't hold the door open for you. And that was a big trigger for you in your last relationship because it was a sign of disrespect. So right now you're feeling disrespectful and that must be really difficult. And it's amazing what happens when you can get outside of your experience, stop having to litigate each other to figure out who's right, mm. and just like mm. actually get into the experience of somebody else 
and validate their experience as their experience without having to agree with the facts. Because people think that, like, in order to validate someone's experience, they have to agree with it. Well, yes, I did blame you last night, or yes, I didn't hold the door open because I don't respect you, versus, wow, you're, you're feeling disrespected right now because of what happened yesterday. And to be able to have that space and to have that reciprocated, mm-hmm. because in resentments, what happens is there's an anticipation of a lack of reciprocity, meaning people are like, I don't want to give to you because I'm not going to get anything back. And if you mm-hmm. can start to get into this process of being able to listen and actively listen to somebody, not just forming a reply, and when someone's talking, like, well, here's my reply, and I'm going to retort, and we're going to be like litigators. If you can actually just be with the person because you love them, that is a game changer. And for the people who are competitive, the person who can initiate an active listening conversation first and do the listening is the winner. <laughs> it's so right? true, and I know exactly what you mean. You're right, Mastin. <laughs> Whoever repairs fastest is the winner. That, that, that's the way I view it, right? Because my ego is like, oh, totally. man. You can't let her win because then she's right and then you've lost. I'm like, no, no, the winner is the one who can repair the fastest. That's right. That's right. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. We are so alike. It's crazy. Although I like to pretend I'm like you. Oh. Um, <laughs> let me plug your book again. Then I have one more question. A 40-day journey to dissolve the hidden blocks that uh, – the name of the book is Claim Your Power. I forgot that part. Claim Your Power. Um, let me go to my question because I only have a few minutes left. If the resentment, you talked about the resentment being like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, me disrespecting or whatever last night or the week before. What if it's something deeper like cheating? How does that kind of resentment, that deep wounded resentment mean? <laughs> yeah. So that, that I could, we could talk about that for months. Um, but here's what I'll say. Okay. And this is always true. In a relationship, this might be a little. I'm just going to say this is a this is a hot topic that requires a lot of emotional calmness to answer yeah. the question, especially if you're in the process of being cheated on or have this because it's very painful. But in a relationship, there's no such thing as a sick one and a well one. In a relationship, there's two people contributing to a dysfunctional dynamic, and pretty much every time I've worked with someone through this process of infidelity, what you'll find is is the person who was cheated on either consciously or unconsciously made themselves emotionally inaccessible, which was absolutely painful for the person who cheated. And they were trying to cope with that inavailability. And the explanation of that doesn't blame anybody. It doesn't excuse the behavior, but we have to understand the underlying dynamics, which is why sometimes infidelity can be a catalyst for significant growth and repair in a relationship because most of the time, Jenny, it's not about the sex. It's about the emotional needs that aren't getting met underneath it. And so cheating and infidelity can be a a huge wake-up call. And depending on the context, you know, if there's abuse or if it's like really extreme, then obviously it's a time to get out. But what's interesting in the case of infidelity is when you start to get into couples work and couples therapy and stuff like that, and you unpack the dynamics associated with infidelity, both partners can see that their developmental trauma, their attachment issues from childhood contributed to the situation. And so on a behavior level, the person who did the cheating, it's like, that's not acceptable, right? Like we're not justifying it. We're not explaining it. We're not saying this is okay or not excusing it, but we are getting to the underlying issues that contributed to that on both sides. And so infidelity can be a process of great healing 
And you also might get to a point where you realize, wow, we really aren't supposed to be together. But either way, it's a really can be a very healing, a catalyst to a very healing process. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's so nuanced because every couple is different. But when you get, really get in there, you can start to you know notice the difference between, um, you know, just oh, that person is the, the the innocent one because that person was cheated on. But if you really get into like what happened to make that outcome possible. Right. There's a lot of uh, mutual responsibility. I was going to say, you got to have accountability on both sides, probably in order to yeah. really heal, because the one can only the one who was cheated on will stay in that victim space, and unless they do the work and find their That's accountability, right. no matter how painful it is, it's you know, they're not going to get there. And and the 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 stuff from our past, like the the trauma, the hurt, the child development stuff that wasn't met, whether it's abandonment and neglect intentionally or unintentionally, our nervous system unconsciously, meaning not outside of our awareness, wants to prove that stuff is right because the experience of being abandoned or the experience of not getting your needs met is so familiar. It's actually safer in a lot of ways for the nervous system than vulnerably expressing what you need because that's like total annihilation. So if someone's never had the experience of feeling safe when they're vulnerable, they may actually unintentionally contribute to an outcome like we're talking about here because it keeps someone emotionally at a distance, which is in a weird way safer than having them be emotionally close. Holy so it's, it, you know, it's, it's, you can unravel it a lot, you know. I know I could talk to you forever. Master Kip, thank yeah, you too. for those truth bombs that you just did. Um, people, you guys, I promise you this book, you want it. You want to go online and check him out at MastinKip.com. He's got seminars. But for right now, pick up that book, Claim Your Power. Master Kip, thank you so much for helping so much. Love you, last Thanks for having Love me Love you, on. too. Happy oh. New Year to you, buddy. You, too. Love, Bye. Love you, bud. Be right back, guys. I'm hoping that after this fever, I'll survive. I know I'm acting a bit crazy. Strung out a little bit hazy, hand over heart, I'm praying that I'm gonna make it out alive.